What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sunday Sports Club Podcast, a podcast all about sports told by a woman, except for today's episode, because today's episode, I have my husband, Isaac Rochelle, or better known as Isaac Cooch, on the podcast today. And I figured it would be a good thing to have my husband on the podcast every now and then. I'm thinking the first podcast of every month I will have him on. We can answer some questions. And at the end of the day, he's the one that's playing football. I know you guys are surprised. I'm actually not the one on an NFL team. So I figured why not talk to an actual NFL player since I have one at my disposal. It's weird because I've watched your podcast so many times and now I'm here. I'm on it. You should be honored. That you would ever be on the most popular sports podcast in the world. I am. Nothing like this exists. I'm the biggest fan. I listen to it every week. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, we're actually recording this right after a football game. And I figured that we would just recap a little bit of the season and where we're headed from here. I actually didn't post an episode last week because if you can't tell by my voice, I'm sick. I've learned that when I am feeling good, I just need to pre-record, especially the fact that I am a month out from having a child come out of my body. Yeah, and pregnancy is tough, even on the husbands. I've been having a lot of morning sickness, been gaining weight. As a grow you know, starting to get up. uncomfortable. <laughs> so if you guys don't follow Sunday Sports Club podcast Instagram, be sure to head over there because I will be coming on there and like putting one of those Q&A things that people, influencers always put. And you guys can ask your questions there. And whenever you have like a question that pops in your head, just head over there and we'll just compile them. And then the first podcast of every month, it will be a little Q&A episode. And Isaac will join sometimes. Maybe he won't join. No, I'm joining. So where are we at though? Because we're, <laughs> you do a little, beginning of your episode, you do a little uh, like NFL update, recap, like what's going on in the NFL. Yeah, like current events, what's happening. And I feel like it's like, the, you know, the middle of a season. I feel like it's kind of feeling a little slow right now. But things are about to fasten up here because... Especially for us. How is it as a wife midway through? Because I can give the player perspective of midway through, but you're women are in the thick of it. Y'all will be just grinding. Midway through the football season is good, but also bad. I feel like it's good because I have a routine down. I know what days are your longest days. I know like what I have to get done throughout the week. I also have like a friend base here in Vegas, being that we're new here. But the bad thing is that, okay, now I'm starting to struggle. Like, hey, I like want to do this, this, and this. But like you're consumed with football all the time. So around the middle of a season, I'm like, okay, when is the bye week? And if you guys don't know, the bye week is a week off of football. It's when the players don't have to report. And ours isn't for a little bit more. So It's a weird time. But this is yeah. also a crucial time for women when scheduling, like women are relying on the schedule. And how a coach schedules is very important for the wife. This is a time in the season when – if you're winning, teams will start to do things like Victory Mondays where you finish a game on Sunday and you don't have to go back into the building till Wednesday. Because they're like, you know what, we won, flush the tape, we don't need to watch it, go enjoy your family. Wait, you flush the tape? Like, you don't watch it. You don't ever watch the tape? It, we'll buzz through it, but we're not going to like analyze it like we would if we lost and we had to be in there. Wow, wait, that's super interesting. I didn't know that. So... It's really important. So just to give some context, and we'll use the Raiders as the example, a few weeks ago, literally 10 days ago, we had a different head coach. He's scheduled very different. For better or for worse, whatever, he's scheduled different. 
now we have a new head coach. We just won and we have Monday off. So it's kind of nice for you because you're like, oh, I get to spend two full days with my <laughs> husband because Tuesday is the NFL wide off day. Yeah, it's super interesting because a lot of people would think that a lot of teams are run the same way or organizations are run the same way. But each NFL team my husband has been with is run completely different from the next. Like the Chargers were super relaxed. You got home at like three o'clock some days. And yeah, then wow. like two weeks ago, you weren't getting home until like 530 or six o'clock on like your long days. So it definitely depends on not only the head coach, but also sometimes the GM. And if you guys haven't been staying up to date around the NFL, the Raiders just fired their head coach, GM, offensive coordinator. Yeah. It's kind of like clearing house is the best way to describe it. But I feel like when a team is losing, obviously the owners are going to look at, okay, who's running our team. Sometimes that results in people losing their jobs and that happened for the Raiders. And now you guys have a new head coach. Well, and we talked about midway through the year. So, like, our head coach, GM, and OC just got fired because this is a time in the year where, like, teams, you're kind of, like, starting to separate a little bit. Like, we're in November. Playoffs start in January. Like, you kind of have to start making, like, decisions to go to the playoffs. So, that being said, that's why this kind of happened. You'll start to see it all over the league. Like, head coaches will start to get put on the hot seats, and things will get super sketchy. But this is a weird time of year for teams that are struggling. I mean, it gets bad. Yeah, it was, it's actually crazy. This time last year, you got cut from the Browns. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Well, two weeks from now, but yeah, essentially. So yeah, this is definitely a weird part in the season. You're starting to see like a lot of teams kind of separate themselves. There's a small group of teams that are in the middle, kind of like fighting for whatever. And then you're seeing like clear outliers of teams that are not good Probably not going to be playoff teams. It's also interesting because those same teams in the locker rooms, that affects the locker room dynamic. I've been on teams where you're in week 10 and you're like, yeah, we're not going to the playoffs. And it affects your locker room a ton. So it's kind of a weird part of the year for like, that's why I was asking about wives because it's weird for wives and it's weird for players too. It's funny because today during the Raiders uh, game against the New York Giants all of the wives were like wow like this feels so good like this is going to be such a good night every it's it's crazy because you would think that wives aren't affected by a loss because at the end of the day like I'm not going out there this isn't my job I guess the only thing I really have to deal with is like the residual like emotions from you and like just like oh dang that sucks but the wives group chat today was like okay shots at halftime yeah, like, like turn up yeah turn we were up, way up like, it's, yeah, it's such a different feeling. And when you win, you feel closer to other people on the team, other couples on the team. I'm sure you, like your teammates, sometimes you feel closer. Yes or no? Yeah. I'm like, I've never been in the NFL. I, I know this is surprising. I've never been in an NFL locker room. Well, we were smoking cigars in the locker room after the game. I've never done that, by the way, ever. Any team. Never even. Did you like pop bottles or anything? Any, no. Any team? No team. I've never even taken a drink of alcohol in the locker room. The only team that I drank, like, game ended and we were drinking within, like, 15 minutes was... The Chargers, right? Yeah, and it was, like, the last game I was playing there. And I kind of knew it. So we were like, all right, we're drinking, Aww. literally. I mean, I was drunk by the time I got on the plane. Isaac. It's <laughs> probably too much info. Um, but, yeah, it matters. I don't think people understand, like, if you lose, you know you have to go watch the film. 
So you finish if you have a one o'clock game the rest of the Sunday you're just salty because you Wait, lost. So let me recap for the people that are listening or watching. If you are watching, we are in a very different setting because I don't have two aesthetic chairs for Isaac <laughs> to sit in. Um, but if you guys are confused about what Isaac's saying with film, so you play in the game on Sunday and then you have you have to rewatch that entire game and like all of the plays. And you're saying if you lose, you critique the plays, you go over the plays. Literally fine tooth or whatever the saying is. Fine tooth. Wait. It doesn't even matter. You, they are critiquing it so much. When you go, so like game ends. Which makes sense because if, if you're playing in a game and you lose that game because of mistakes, you need to rehash those mistakes to make sure they don't happen in the future. Right. The issue, though, is sometimes it's like the Giants. They're not they're not even an AFC team, which you learned about in one of Ali's earlier podcasts. We beat them. They're like, there's so only so much you can watch where it actually carries over. Right. Because it's like, we're not going to play them again. But, like, the Chiefs game is coming up, and you're going to play the Chiefs again. So, right. win or lose, I feel like you guys are going to watch that tape no matter what. Probably. It depends what AP, our head coach, like, how he wants to handle it. But, Yeah. That, well, what I was going to say, though, is you finish a game, you, you go in Monday if you lose most of the time, or if you win regardless. You work out at like 10 a.m., and we're there till 5, but you're not finishing the film until 5. So that whole day is just like you're eating breakfast, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't even want to look at anybody. Like, <laughs> Unless I, you have a good game. You're, in, you're working out, and everybody's venting about what they're mad about or whatever, and it's just brutal. It's easy if you win, and your coach is like, all right, I'll see you on Wednesday, and you can spend time with your pregnant wife. <laughs> Not everybody has a pregnant wife in the NFL, but I'm sure it is nice. I think it's really nice because it's like rewarding for you guys to win. And I almost feel like it's just better for like camaraderie. It is. Well, it is. And that being said, we did win because I do want to talk about the inactive thing. Yeah. So today <laughs> the Raiders played the New York Giants and we're filming this after that game. And obviously they won, but... Isaac was is so sore from the game. <laughs> no, Isaac was inactive during today's Sunday football game. So why were you inactive? And like, what does being inactive mean? So you have two. Re well, there's 53 guys on an NFL roster. Only 46 dress on game day, meaning if you're not dressing, you're on the sideline in juicy couture sweatsuits <laughs> like you're not doing anything. That's that's a league rule. And the reason they do it is because if a guy gets injured, instead of having to release him on like an injury settlement or putting him on an injury reserve and losing him for the year, they just allow you to make somebody inactive and they just don't play. That being said, if everybody on your roster is healthy, you still have to have seven guys inactive. So you can have guys inactive for a number of reasons. I was inactive for whatever reason this week. And yeah, so I didn't play. But mm -hmm. I was still excited the team won. Definitely a weird feeling um, when you win like that with a new head coach, but you didn't play. But um, I don't know. Does There's it, guys that are inactive the entire season, though, which is weird. Does being inactive make you feel any less part of the team? Being inactive makes me feel no less part of the team. I obviously didn't contribute to the victory, though. I feel like that's that's a lie, though. Like, you're still on the team. I feel like you can't look at it like that. Like, you still did contribute in a way. Whether that have been, like, throughout the other, like, last few games, you did something. Like, I feel like you're still on the team. Yeah. No, I, I feel very much a part of the team. Like, mm -hmm. those are still my teammates. I still love the guys on the team. 
I don't feel like I'm not a Raider. But today, I just literally didn't play. And I would go as far to say that, like, people might be making, like, the comment, okay, well, you can't celebrate because you didn't play. But, like, I feel like if the Raiders lost, you would still be in some type of mood. Like, you still wouldn't be happy. And, like, you didn't technically play in the game. So, did you technically lose? I would still say yes. I just look at it like this. It's like anything. If you have a huge company... And you have people in different departments that do different tasks at different times. Some departments are needed more or less during different times. The Isaac Rochelle department wasn't needed this game. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't mean that I'm not contributing to the overall season and whatnot and keeping the train moving forward. But I was just riding passenger today. And it was nice to see everybody. The D-line played really well, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Interesting because you've been in your career, you've been inactive, you've been active, you've been on practice squad, you've been not on a team, you've gotten picked up on teams. And I feel like the inactive, you being inactive doesn't really like affect how I view the team. Like in my head, you're still on the team no matter what. When you were on practice squad, I definitely feel like as a wife and like as like you being in like in in I don't know like talking about you being on the team I feel like a little isolated when I was with the Colts and I was inactive right off the jump I I felt less a part of the team I was like I'm just not I haven't contributed at all and I'm just here now having played the first nine games or eight games and being a contributor I feel a part of the team like I said it just my department got Shut down, sent home early. (laughs) It didn't contribute. Yeah. So if you guys have any other questions about what it is to be inactive, um, I'm sure actually people would ask this question. Like, does that change your salary if you're inactive? It does not. So you get paid the same if you are on the field or if you're an inactive. Yes. This will be a soundbite. I don't even like doing this, but when I was playing for the Colts, I was making $100,000 a game. It is what it is. You can look it up online. I was inactive for the first three weeks. So technically, I made $300,000. Just being a bench warmer. And I did not even play, which is crazy. Now, that being said. $300,000 being a bench warmer. The beauty of the NFL and being a professional athlete is you can't get to that point unless you don't care about that stuff. If you are the type of guy that comes in the NFL and you're like, oh, I'm inactive, I'm still getting paid, I don't care, you're not going to last in the NFL. I would tell a young guy that who came in the I league. I mean, it took four years for you to be inactive and to like feel that type of way. Yeah, you. there's a competitive edge. Like, everybody's making good money, and like so then it becomes less of like a factor. So I'm not inactive on the sideline, like, oh, I'm still getting paid, like, turn up, this is the easiest job in America. I'm like, no, I really want to be playing. I need to get better, et cetera. So, but that is crazy that that was the Colts situation. I mean, that's ridiculous. People, boys would probably cancel me because of that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is super interesting. And that kind of wraps it up for like Isaac being inactive and like where we're at in the football season, kind of like current events wise. And now we can move on to more of like the Q&A aspect of this episode. Unless you want to, do you want to recap? Position of the week, Isaac? Yeah, what position are we on? We could talk about a defensive end. Have we done that? We have not done defensive end. Okay, defensive end. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac, what is a defensive end? A defensive end, it's been long debated, is the most athletic position on the field. It requires a huge guy 
like myself to be able to move in a way that's like really athletic because you're rushing the passer, meaning it's a pass play. You're trying to tackle the quarterback and you have to get around big O linemen and move in like a very swift hashtag Taylor Swift way. Grow up, Isaac. And if it's a run play, those same big O linemen that we're talking about, you're having to push them and get them out of the way to tackle a running back. So you're it's required you have to be very fast and quick and you're you have to be very still strong. making this sound so complicated. I don't know how to not make it. It's a complicated position. I know. Okay. So let me recap and then you can give your two cents because these <laughs> I'm not sure women are listening to this podcast in their car and they're like what the fuck is a running back? We that's haven't even covered boys, running that's back. That's why boys don't need to explain this stuff. Girls rule and boys drool. So in my terms, what a defensive end is, okay? Everybody everybody wonders like, oh, what does my dad do for work like their entire life growing up? Or at least I did. I was like, I don't know. He's like an accountant or something. That sounds like he was like in a different, he was actually an accountant, like the boring kind of accountant. But uh, yeah, it's funny because I used to say like, oh yeah, my husband's a defensive end, not really knowing what that was. So obviously the title defensive end means that he is on defense. So oh, the, that's see, I didn't even say that. I know. That's what you gotta dumb it down, that's Isaac. That's true. Dang. So why girls should stick to sports. So Isaac, as a defensive end, it is on defense, meaning that the his team does not have the ball. But as a defensive end, he has two jobs, and that is either to, one, sack the quarterback, so the person throwing the ball. We already covered quarterbacks in another episode. Okay. Or two, to set the edge and make sure the ball doesn't gain yards. Doesn't go outside of me. That's a better way to put it. Doesn't pass you. So if I'm the left defensive end, I'm making sure the ball doesn't go to my left, doesn't go outside of my left side. You want to keep it in the center of the field. Yes, Okay, so those are two jobs of a defensive end. Yeah, that it's well. I just know you guys have to understand. I am, I am in the top like quarter percent of defensive ends in the world. So like, I it's hard for me to dumb it down. That's on me. I'm glad my <laughs> listen. I'm already a plus one. I already don't. I've ha- never heard you brag like that. You're like, yeah, I'm in the top like quarter. I am. Well, I mean, you're in the NFL and you are a defensive end, and you've had seven years in the NFL. So it yeah, it definitely makes. So sense. put it this way. This is kind of juicy. There's five defensive ends on our active roster. How many teams are there? 32. 32. 32 times five is what? 160. So that means that I'm a top 160 defensive end in the entire world. And there's 8 billion people in the world. So when I say top quarter percent, that's like actually being generous. I'm probably like top 0.0001%. Where do you think I rank in like wives? You. <laughs> wives yeah no i'm saying just like in being a wife of of defensive end wives no in wives all wives all eight billion on the world in the world you're one <laughs> you're top one <laughs> you're a topper top one i'm actually number one um that's super funny so who are some notable defensive ends and what makes a defensive end good Notable defensive ends, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, Joey Bosa, Nikki Bosa. Name you name one. Isaac Na- Rochelle. Other than me. <laughs> um it's a great question. You're there's a big one. TJ Watt. What makes a good defensive end? I thought he was end? a linebacker. He's an outside linebacker slash defensive end. What makes a good defensive end is getting a lot of sacks. A quarterback is a heartbeat of offense, controls everything. If a defensive end is stopping that guy from being successful, 
He's great. So here's a good question of the day. What is a sack in the game of football? So a sack is when a defensive player tackles the quarterback. While he's trying to throw. If the quarterback runs and it's a quarterback designed run, it's a tackle for loss. It's not a sack. Mm -hmm. So you can only get a sack on the quarterback. Not true. If it is a flea flicker, it's any passer. Okay. See, this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you men make things so complicated. We're trying to dumb it down. We're trying to make it easy. We're trying to make it simple. They're, they don't, they're not watching a flea flicker. Fun fact, though. I have 10 sacks in my career. One of them is on a wide receiver. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> for the most part, 99% of the time, if you get a sack, it can only be on a quarterback. Unless Correct. it's a flea flicker, but we don't really give a fuck about flea flickers in this episode, Isaac. A flea flicker sack might happen 10 times in the season, maybe. On any NFL team or your NFL team? On, on all plays combined, maybe less than 10, maybe five. Exactly. So why are we talking about that? Yeah, I mean, there's a point. To, this that's <laughs> like a guy giving 100 red flags and you're like, but there's this one green flag. Yeah, that's not that's on me. <laughs> so now that we've covered current events, position of the week, Isaac trying to think make things more complicated than they are. We are now <laughs> going to jump into a little rapid fire Q and A. I already feel like this is going to be a long episode. I apologize. Why do teams give up on their fourth down and just punt it to the other team? <laughs> that's, that's, a good, a really, that's a really that's a really, really good, good question. question. So just to recap, in the game of football, you get four downs and then if you don't get 10 yards by your fourth down and we can trade out the word downs for tries so you get four tries to go 10 yards and if by the fourth try you don't get 10 yards the ball is turned over to the other team or the Correct. possession so if you had the ball and you didn't get those yards it turns over so why would a team <laughs> punt the ball on the fourth try or down instead of going for it okay i'm gonna try to dumb this down because Jesus Christ. So the field's a hundred yards. One team is trying to score in one end zone. The other team is trying to score in their end zone. Right. This is already off to a great start, Isaac. Actually. Yeah, actually. And you're essentially defending your end zone as a team. That's why it's called defense. It's like capture the flag. And when the ball turns over after your tries, it turns over wherever the ball is on the field. Mm -hmm. So if you're not far enough or close enough to your end zone, then the field for the, the other team is really short if it, it turns smaller. over. It becomes smaller. So that's why when you punt, you have an opportunity to flip the field. That's the term we use. And put the offense on the other side of the field so they have a longer distance to score. Fun fact, the analytics just recently changed. You know, they take analytics for years. And so statistically, it makes more sense to go for it on, on your fourth try if there's like less than like two yards, then to punt. So now you're seeing way more teams go for it on fourth down versus punting. But that's why they punt. Mm -hmm. So on your fourth try or your fourth down, you would either A, punt the ball, B, go for it, or C, you can kick for a field goal. Correct. Correct. So those are your three scenarios. And you would only do C, you would only kick for a field goal if you're Within, I would say, 55 yards, depending on your kicker and how much you can rely on him, yes or no? Yes, and you also have to think where the ball is spotted. So if it's on the 30-yard line, 30 yards to score, you have to take into account the end zone, so that's a 40-yard field goal. So essentially, once the ball gets like past the 45-yard line, a.k.a. a 55-yard field goal, most teams will punt. 
Mm -hmm. Or if they're following the analytics, they might go for it. So essentially the reason that you would punt on your fourth down or your fourth try is so that you don't turn over the ball and give the other team the opportunity to score quicker than you would have had. Like if you're on the, if you have 70 yards to go to get a touchdown, that means the other team only has 30 yards to go to get a touchdown if the ball turns over. Exactly. So if a team's really close to scoring, they're going to go for it on all four downs because they're like, who cares? The other team's going to get the ball in the half yard line. Exactly. Also, another fun fact is our team and every team I've been on and every team in the NFL has an analytics guy. So we have a guy, all he does is study and like analytics. So then when that coaches sounds boring as fuck, it is there. And well, I'm going to stop, but <laughs> you know, it takes a certain type of person to do that. But like literally they talk to the head coach. Like they have meetings with the head coach about like what to do in certain scenarios based on what like the odds are. Interesting. And it's like their only job. It's like the NFL IT department. I love it. <laughs> Next question is what determines pay for practice squad players? So if you guys, I think it was episode one that I discussed how much practice squad players make in the NFL. And I said that it varies. I think it varies from like anywhere from 10,000 a week to I think like 21, 21,000 a week, 12 to 21. Got it. And it's based on number of years played and then it's negotiated, but they can't negotiate above 21,000 a week. It basically is just, it's it's kind of up in the air. You negotiate it with your agent. And uh, rookies don't negotiate. Older guys do negotiate. So usually if you've played more than three years. Yes. Next question is, how is a team budget or cap decided? So every organization in the NFL, so the Giants, the Raiders, the Chiefs, they all have a cap on what they're allowed to spend on their players and how much they're allowed to pay their players. So how is that determined? By the revenue, like how much the NFL makes. Wait, really? Yeah. It's just, it's based on like TV deals and all these things. It's like all, that's your cap. Wow. That's super interesting. Yeah. So I thought the, it was just like how rich each, like how rich these people are. No. So the collective bargaining agreement, which is the CBA, it's a, uh, a contract. It's like the NFL rule book. But it's a contract between the players and the owners. There's a split in there. Like we get 48 and a half percent of the revenue. Interesting. So in that 48 and a half percent, that's where you get your cap. Our cap this year, I think, is 210 million. So each team each year gets to spend 210 million dollars on contracts. So if a team, if a player is negotiating a contract and they negotiate a 50 million dollar contract because they are a great quarterback, that's like about a fourth of your cap. So the and cap we, has I've, ta- I've talked about caps, like cap, the NFL cap in other episodes, because if you have, if you're paying all of your money towards one player, it's gonna be hard to get other big name players of that, like same, like greatness caliber. If you can't pay them, which is why the Patriots were so good for so long. Why? Because they're, if you look at the distribution of their, their money on their team, it's very even. It just matters when your high paid guys aren't high paid. How does someone become a coach for the NFL? There's a number of different ways, but a lot of guys become coaches. They just know somebody and then they basically become like an intern or yeah, it's essentially an intern. It's called a quality control guy, QC. Offense has QCs, defense has QCs, but they're essentially interns. Are and there, then they climb the ladder. Are there coaches in the NFL that have never played football? Uh 
I'm trying to think. Never played football. Well, there's female coaches. There's female coaches on staffs. I've never had one, but they've never played like formal football. Interesting. But no, I have never had a coach that's never played. It's just hard as a coach in the NFL to coach and you've never played. I've had coaches that like didn't even, they're like high school football players. They never even came close to being good, Mm -hmm. but never ones that have never played. Interesting. So you don't have any like volleyball, like professional volleyball players becoming coaches. (laughs) No pro volleyball players have become coaches. (laughs) Does your NFL husband come home every night or are there weeks where you don't see him at all? (laughs) So every single night, Isaac gets to come home and sleep in our bed together, okay? Every night except the night before a football game. So that's either a home game or an away game. He does not get to sleep at home. And you might be like, wait, how does he not sleep at home if the game is in Vegas? They have a team hotel, and the reason that they do that is just honestly quality control, making sure that these guys are in one place, making sure that they're in their room. They have bed checks. Yeah, a a good night's rest. Because you got to think, like, a lot of these players do have families. They have crying babies, kids, wives. Like, I don't know, something might piss me off at 11 p.m., and I might be like, I want to ruin your game tomorrow. I'm going (laughs) to keep – I would never do that. But – it just makes sense for these players to go and sleep at like one sole place. Now there are some circumstances where Isaac does have to leave. So one circumstance is that for an away game, yeah, he sleeps at a team hotel the night before the away game, but there's some circumstances where the team will travel a day or even two before Um, one example I can think of is when the Chargers played in London. You guys went a few days earlier, correct? Well, we were gone the whole week. We went to Colorado or no, that London was just a few days before. Yeah, you're right. And then the Raiders are the only team that you have played for in the NFL that has taken a week before a game and left to prepare for that game. To acclimatize. We're we're just going to leave it at that. Yeah. So (laughs) Isaac... I mean, he did it the first, I think it was like the second game of the football season. We went to West Virginia before Buffalo, and then we're planning on doing it before another game. Mm-hmm. Those are the only other two times. And unfortunately, the second time falls right around my due date. So to be determined. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to choose one now. Okay, let's see. Okay, this is this is funny. Is it scripted? That's actually a funny question because so many people ask, is the NFL scripted? I... I've never heard anything about it being scripted. I do have my conspiracies, though, about the actual refs. But from our <laughs> perspective and coaches and everything, it Isaac, is... Isaac, we lived in the same apartment complex as a ref. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> well, no, and I'm not going to go on a tangent, but an NBA ref came out and said that they had situations where they were kind of told what to do. Interesting. That's the NBA, not the NFL. But it's an interesting thought. Does the NFL provide resources to help players prepare for their future after their football career? Absolutely. The Well, so you have the NFL and then you have our union, which is the NFLPA. NFL Players Association. They fight for a lot of different things for us, but they also give us a lot of opportunities outside the NFL. I think the biggest opportunity the NFL gives you, though, is the badge. It's a major get-your-foot-in-the-door-with-a-lot-of-different-people thing. So, yes, they the give badge. us— like, if I meet some random business person, I can be like, oh, I'm in the NFL. Oh, not like a physical badge. You don't get like a... You do actually get a physical badge, your NFL PA card. Okay. That I've pulled at a club before, and it's worked. <laughs> but that's also crazy. People don't when know we, that. When we, people, 
<laughs> when we, people ask, well, no, when we lived in Orange County and we would go up to like LA to like the clubs in Los Angeles, Isaac would try and cut in the front of the line. And like, I'd always pull the card. Yeah. Isaac would be like, yeah, I'm in the NFL. And they'd be like, okay, prove it. And you'd one, pull up your Wikipedia page or two, pull out your NFL PA card. It's like a thick black. <laughs> like it's like the Amex that are metal. Like it's like double the size of that. And it's got a player number on it. And it's like, that's I'm number player, player number five, eight, seven, six, four, three, two. Like, it's so funny. You're just like, here's my card. Like, here's my badge. But the NFLPA <laughs> does create opportunities and seminars and workshops for guys. Yeah, I think they do a good job. Also, like something a lot of people might not know is that if you're in the NFL, I, I, I wish I knew the amount of games or like the years you had to play, but you can get college paid for. For every year you play. Every year you play in the NFL, you get a college, a year of college paid for. Yeah. I started taking advantage of it after my first year. Which is crazy because it doesn't actually roll over to anybody else in the family. So like if Isaac, if Isaac said, oh, I, I don't really want to go and take advantage of like these seven years of free college. I think I, I would argue and like I want to make this change. I think it should definitely roll over to your spouse or to your children. I didn't even think about children. It's a good point. Yeah, how cool would that be if we could tell our daughter you have seven years of free college? Yeah, wow, that's crazy. I never even thought about that. I get it for like spouse because I don't know, like it can be like kind of weird. But like if I don't know, I just feel like the NFL can do a little bit of a better job setting up families for success because I feel like they set up players. But like so many players are like their bodies are demolished after football. Whoa. And I just feel like it would be helpful for uh, like to allow a woman like the same thing. Like I have to give up certain things in my life to like support you and like to support our family. So like, why wouldn't I get the same treatment? I agree. Yeah. Or there could be like, a, I don't know, like a trade off or some type of thing, but some people might not agree with that. <laughs> and then we're just going to answer one more question. Um, I feel like we talked a lot at the beginning of the episode, so I apologize for that. Is there any support for moms and wives of players? I mean, I feel like that's definitely not a question I should answer. No, I know that you shouldn't be answering it, but I feel like you could definitely like, like give it something. You can give me a. I'm not. An, I'm not asking you this question to you. Obviously, you're not a wife. Yeah, I think that I think the teams absolutely have resources. I, I think, think it varies. I what? think it definitely varies team to team and organization to organization. I think that some teams advertise their resources more than others. Every team has resources somewhere for OBGYNs and sitters and all these things that you need. Some teams are more proactive than others. Like the Raiders, for instance, I would say they're pretty proactive. The like, Raiders is the best team that you have been on in terms of family and team and like player personnel. Like they have somebody who is designated to make things run smoothly for the wives and families and players off of the field. Yes. And that is the only team that they have had a designated person. Now, each team might have somebody for security. Like, I remember the Browns, like, something happened, and I was like, oh, I'll just text the Browns security person. So, like, each team has, like, okay, here are the personnel that like family can reach out to and like they're at their disposal but I would say that like there's definitely room for improvement in terms of moving and finding housing and yeah all of that because each team the housing situation has been really weird where it's like you're just kind of 
like left on your own. Um, but I feel like the best thing that the NFL has is other players and other wives who can then give the recommendation. I feel like when, whenever we move, it's like, I'm asking a wife for a recommendation and not really like a team personnel person. Absolutely. But the resources are there. They have to be. Could you imagine you have a league of 1300 players and there's just no resources for pregnant wives. Mm -hmm. They would get slaughtered. (laughs) They They would get literally get canceled. They wouldn't. Why do, (laughs) why do NFL players get fined for the dumbest shit? Okay. I heard the craziest fact today. I'm not going to say the player's name, but I heard from our equipment manager that there is a player right now in the NFL just for uniform violations. Guess how much he's been fined? Just for uniform violations. Socks too short, shirt too long, wrong cleats, et cetera. 200,000. More. 500,000. More. A million. A million dollars. What? Confirmed that this one player has been fined this season, and it's halfway through the season. Does his wife know? He is single. He's actually not single. Is he? I don't know. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? A million dollars. That's after taxes. There's no amount of money you could make in the NFL that would justify that. I I would get a million dollars to spend. My that's my salary. (laughs) I don't actually if that was me, after taxes, I don't make enough money to pay for that. We would go in debt playing playing this year. I would be in the negative. All because of your socks. What? That is the dumbest thing in the world. I don't even remember what the question was. Why do people get fined for the dumbest shit? It's, yeah, it's that. It's Yeah, we'll, we'll just move on from that. How much do retired or unofficially retired NFL players make? So there's two categories that retired players pull from. It's your 401k and your pension, mm-hmm. both of which you can pull from when you're 55. Each year, we can contribute up to about $18,000, and the team matches that $30,000. So you can do that, math. That's forty eight grand a year into your 401k. And then pension, essentially each year that you play, you get about $1,000 per month that you will make when you're 55. So six years is about six grand per month you'll make when you're 55. Wow. So it adds up super fast. And you have to have three credited seasons, meaning? Three years of playing at least three games. Yes, before you can access that. So if you play two full seasons and you never play again, you don't get to access that. Wow, that kind of fucking Yeah, you could play nine games and access it versus playing 32 or 34 games, two full seasons, whatever. Point is 55, pension, and 401k are where you can pull from. Interesting. Kind of a lot of money when you think about it. If you die. And it maxes out at year 10, which I just learned this year. Oh, so year, after year 10, I'm like, why even bother? Literally. If I die, it rolls over. It goes like a will. It would roll over to So it would roll to over you. to me? Yeah. What if I died? Then it would roll over to whoever we had in our will. Like our child? Yeah. All right, guys, that ends it for today's episode. I feel like we answered quite a few questions. There's a lot more questions that you guys submitted. And if you guys want to submit a question, head over to Sunday Sports Club Podcast Instagram and send a DM, comment on a picture, comment on a reel. 
Um, and I'll be sure to answer one of those in an upcoming episode. Like I mentioned earlier on in the episode, Isaac and I are going to be doing these little Q&A episodes every now and then. I'm going to be doing a Q&A episode the first episode of each month. Now, is Isaac going to be on those episodes? I guess we'll see how well this podcast does. Yeah, absolutely. Do the people like Isaac? Do the people hate Isaac? <laughs> it, I'm actually really curious. Yeah, um, but it's, it's a lot... It's fun to be able to answer some of these questions with Isaac because I I definitely know a lot about the NFL and I know a lot about football and I do my research before I make these episodes. And there's something that I can give to the facts that you have. But at the end of the day, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not the one interacting with coaches. Like You're not the player? I know. I tried out one time and they said no, but... Um, we'll, we'll try again next year. So yeah, let me know how you guys like this episode. If you do be sure to go and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to it, make it, make sure to give us a rating. And if you guys want to watch this episode, go over to YouTube because these are also on YouTube. Um, but with that being said, Isaac, do you have anything you want to say? No, keep tuning in and follow me on all my channels, you know. I, oh my God, okay. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in and be sure to tune in next Monday for Sunday Sports Club podcast. Talk to you then. <laughs>